Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Spectrum Stories on the Gay News America Network. We want to welcome our listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm your host, Roddy Biggs. And I'm Brandon Carmody. I'm quoting from Curve Magazine. Leading Equalities campaigner Linda Riley and a string of LGBT organizations call for a thunderclap campaign, hashtag no to LGBT hate on February the 1st, 2017 at 4 p.m. amid concern about Twitter's ineffectual response and inadequate action in tackling online homophobic abuse and hate speech. A thunderclap campaign shows the same message at the same time so that friends and followers of everyone involved are more likely to take notice. This means that our message extends to a broader community than it would if we did not co-coordinate the campaign in this way. The campaign comes after Riley, co-owner and publisher of iconic lesbian magazine Diva and creator of events including the British LGBT Awards, the Australian LGBTI Awards, the Diversity Career Show, the European Diversity Awards, and many other initiatives highlighted a surge in online abuse aimed at the LGBT community. It was backed by a string of organizations and individuals, including Stonewall, Cove Magazine, Rob McDowell, the of Equality of the Equality Council, UK Black Pride, Diversity Role Models, the Women's Equality Party, and Parallelism, Claire Harvey. Tonight, we welcome two special guests who are here to tell us about a new Thunderclap campaign on Twitter called hashtag no to LGBTQ hate. Marin Jones is the editor-in-chief of Cove Magazine, and she has previously been the editor of Australian's magazine for lesbian titled LOTL. She is a correspondent for El Mag, Germany's magazine for lesbians, and a regular contributor to Diva, the magazine for queer women in the UK. She has contributed on cultural topics related to women and fair slate for the New York Times, Pacific Standard, and others. This year, she, she celebrates 20 years on the LGBTQ space. Marin, welcome to Spectrum Stories and Gay News America. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Uh, Kathy Renna, managing partner at Target Q, an LGBTQ and HIV-focused public interest communications firm. Prior to that, she was a founder of Renna Communications, As a consultant for over a decade, she has partnered with scores of diverse organizations and projects. In addition, Rena worked with GLAAD for 14 years and is nationally recognized as a media and communications expert and leader within the LGBTQ community. Kathy, it is good to speak with you again. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. And I'll send it over to Roddy Biggs. 
started. Marin, I'd like to start with you. Can you give us an outline of the No to LGBT Hate Campaign, how it works, and where we can get our listeners to find, find it online? Absolutely. So you, you've already really summarized it very well. The key thing for people that want to get involved and support this is to go to the website, which is no2lgbthate.com, and simply sign up for the campaign with Thunderclap, which basically means once you register, you authorize Thunderclap to access your Twitter account just once. And that one time, they're going to send out this tweet, which is a protest tweet saying that LGBT anti-LGBT hate has to end on Twitter. And the advantage of this is it all happens at the same time on February the 1st across three different time zones. So it's really about sending a collective message in a powerful way. It's very simple. You just go to no2lgbthate.com and sign up just once, and it'll do it for you. Wonderful. So what role do you all Uh, yes, I actually I didn't hear the question. Uh, you lost me for a second. Okay. The question was, what role do each of you have in this campaign? And can you tell us about some of the stories or online hate that you are seeing that empowered this campaign? Sure. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, happy and honored to be working with uh, Curve and all the uh, associated publications um, as a as a communications consultant and uh, helping them amplify their message. I think this is a really important message to be getting out there, particularly, you know, post-election here in the U.S. where we've seen a real spike in hate speech, hate incidents, and hate crimes uh, since the election of Donald Trump. And so this is just, I think, one very, uh, very uh, specific and, and important and symbolic way to let Twitter, which is a place where there's a tremendous amount of uh, anti-LGBT, uh, anti-immigrant, uh, racist, et cetera, sexist um, uh, speech going on and a lot of trolling uh, going on and people being attacked on Twitter, uh, it's a way to send a message to Twitter that they need to deal with the, deal with the issue and deal with the climate on that platform better. Uh, similar to ways in which, say, Facebook really cracks down on hate speech and you can report it uh, and it gets taken care of uh, uh, usually pretty quickly and pretty effectively. Absolutely. So, Marin, same question for you. Well, I mean, I guess um, as an editor-in-chief, and I've, I've edited about three or four different lesbian magazines uh, across two different continents in the last um, decade and a half, and I think that what, what I worry about social media is that nobody's betting it. And what we have with publications and magazines is you have an editor-in-chief, you have somebody betting the content to make sure that it's a safe space for readers. But what happens when people go onto Facebook or onto Twitter Nothing's, nothing's controlled, nothing's vetted. It's not a safe space for our community. And I feel that we do need to push a little bit here and we need to put some guidelines into place because it's still a new platform, it's still evolving, but really the bad guys are taking over. I mean, especially in the post-election climate, we're seeing that this is a place that if you go onto Twitter and you identify yourself as LGBTQI, 
you're going to get attacked, and it's really easy. And in our community, there's really no protections. There's nobody looking out for us now. So you can spend a lot of time on social media, and it can start to negatively impact your mental well-being and your mental health. And we already know that, you know, with young LGBTQ people, the suicide rate is six to eight times higher than straight people. So who's looking after these people? Who's looking after us when we're in the Twitter space and we're being attacked by right-wing religious zealots, uh, trolls that have no identity, no absolute power except the power to really hurt us with, with 140 characters. And I think we want to, we're trying with this campaign to bring this to Twitter's attention and ask them to be responsible business owners. Absolutely. And so with that, we're going to go over to Brandon to talk a little bit more about post-election. Brandon? Thank you, Roddy. Thank you, Roddy. So, folks, let's talk a little bit about the general climate post-election. And, of course, we just need to put a disclaimer on that, that we're having an international discussion here. So I want to frame how does our American election affect Twitter and the globe and the LGBT community outside of our borders as well. So there was an NBC Out article yesterday titled, Youth Survey Finds Post-Election Spike in Bullying and Harassment. Many of us personally and our followers have also noticed this increase in online hate speech and actual hate crimes during and after the election season. So as we all know, sadly, hate crimes are not new in this country or around the globe, but we have various ways of tracking them. Now, we've seen protests in major cities across the U.S., both peaceful and some clashes, the Women's March last Saturday. So here's what I want to ask. Number one, are the current online or physical hate crimes that are being reported political or somehow tied with Donald Trump supporters? Are people invoking the name of Donald Trump? And part two, do the online threats and hate messages appear to have largely increased since Election Day? Um, I'd like to start with Marin. Well, it's, but thanks for the question. It's, it's really difficult to kind of measure what happens in cyberspace and who's behind what happens. I really am concerned with the number of people that are trolls that are kind of in their real lives, miserable, lonely people who have, you know, 50 Twitter accounts. And their sole purpose seems to create unhappiness for other people. And um, I'm pretty sure that if you met those people in real life, there'd be nothing amazing or extraordinary or violent about them but when they carry their prejudices online it does become violent and it becomes a lot bigger than they are and I think this is a new frontier we have to understand that we need to start measuring this otherwise it's going to have a really bad impact on our youth which are the most vulnerable and I think that in times of political instability which even though the US has had an election that it that is unique to the US what happens here with the executive orders and the legislation coming down the pipeline will have effects all around the world. And um, it's kind of uh, chaotic right now because the message is not clear for our community, but the message is, um, you know, vaguely ugly. It's vaguely rabble-rousing people who have never liked us to come out and start attacking us. And they have a perfect smokescreen with Twitter and other online platforms because they really don't have to come out and declare who they actually are. They can invent a handle and an online avatar and an identity to do that dirty work for them. And this is where it's dangerous because how do we make them accountable for those actions? Those are very, very good points, Marin. Um, Kathy Renna, 
uh, you have experience uh, with your history with GLAD, and unfortunately, um, if we if you want to invoke it, that's your option to talk about Matthew Shepard. You have certainly seen your share of hate crimes in this country. Same questions go to you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, everything Marin said is absolutely valid, and it really is a new frontier in terms of social media. And the reality is it's, it's, it's even beyond that. I think the bigger picture here is that, you know, we elected uh, a president who is a bully and who has in many ways fostered climate and made it uh, not just permissible, but he's almost encouraging uh, people to express their biases and prejudice and hate in a way that they didn't prior. So, so the climate has really changed, and, and we're seeing it, and it's being documented by groups like HRC, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is an incredible organization uh, here in the U.S. That, that does amazing research and tracking of hate crimes. They saw a spike, almost a, a thousand uh, reported, verified uh, hate incidents uh, of varying levels uh, within 10 days after the campaign. And yes, there were, were many that actually invoked you know, Donald Trump's name, that people who would feel very comfortable saying, sure, I can do this now because Donald Trump is president. Um, and just from my own personal experience, I wrote a piece about uh, the election and the, the outcome and uh, my feelings about it, and it was not the support of Donald Trump. And I started to receive uh, just unbelievable, vile uh, messages on Twitter, uh, in particular uh, from folks. They, you know, pictures of burning rainbow flags, photos of, you know, hooded Klansmen, uh, you know, incredibly nasty, violent language. I, you know, and I'm 52. I've been doing this for, you know, more than half my life. You know, to, to mute and block people is just what I had to do just to get through it. But I think what Marin's saying is absolutely, uh, absolutely on point, that we really need to look to uh, the young people, the more vulnerable people in our community who, you know, I know a lot of folks who have gotten off social media completely because it's really unbearable. I mean, they're, they are they're microaggressions, and they range, and they can be even, you know, more damaging than that. And I just, I think there needs to be, uh, just a lot more attention paid to, to what's happening. And I think that, you know, Twitter has a, has a responsibility with business to create a safer climate. And it's really clear that they're not, they're not, they're not doing it. And yeah. this campaign is a great way to express uh, concern around that. We're certainly not the only community. This is, you know, we've seen uh, African-American uh, individuals completely harassed and, and, uh, and, and, uh, criticized on on Twitter in ways that just unimaginably awful women. I mean, it's it's really um, it's something that our community and really across communities we really need to take a serious look at. Absolutely, Kathy. And um, uh, we have a lot of listeners and folks that are telling us that the messaging is very triggering, personally, and disturbing. There's a lot of fear. So I'm gonna I'm going to pass it over to Roddy Biggs for a follow-up question to continue on this topic of how deep this online hate goes. Roddy Biggs? Absolutely. So one account alone was the No Way Church operated for 18 months and sent out 18,200 homophobic tweets. This hmm. account was closed because the campaign's last week of examples so what do y'all believe about 
the Twitter's decision to close this account? Do you think they made the right call? And what would you say to them since they can seem to close one account, but there are so many other accounts out there that we have all come across. We all have tweet at us every day. I know personally I have people send me death threats every day. So what do you call for Twitter to do? And, man, we're going to come to you first. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know how they work and how the platform's organized, but I know that Facebook has a lot more uh, stringent policies in terms of monitoring the imagery that goes through and certainly some of the triggering words like if you if you want to post a picture of a nude person and then and then and then write the text terrorist i know your account will be locked for 24 hours um but i i think that twitter's got to make itself clear to us uh what it's about because it's it's okay to hide behind this idea of just 140 characters and what can you possibly do what damage can you possibly do in 140 characters but you can do an awful lot of damage and anyone that's been involved uh in a troll storm and the other end of the troll storm knows that it's the barrage of notifications it's the simple the, the mass scale of it that can happen in a very private way, which is to come to your phone, which is a device now that we interact with physically and personally and privately for hours a day. And I think that this is all undeclared because it's, you know, Cathy will agree with me here, Twitter, social media, it's the Wild West. The rules aren't really solid yet. So we have a job, we can come in here, we have an opportunity to come in here and actually force that certain rules are made that protect protect the community um, but we have to we have to get involved in campaigns like this because Twitter won't know about it unless we draw it to their attention absolutely so Kathy do you agree with Marion on that topic I do um, you know I think it's really also important to, to as you pointed out show that, that there are you know large organizers, Marion said, large organized groups that when they see a hashtag or, or someone, like for example, when I, I posted the piece on Huffington Post, they see that, it gets amplified. Um, uh, some of the, the, the alt-right, uh, extreme-right, uh, extremely homophobic uh, folks on Twitter will see something and they'll organize and they will, you know, just kind of just literally come after uh, an individual. And so, Again, I mean, I think that the, the challenge is, <laughs> you know, we have free speech, and that's great, but that doesn't mean that you get to say whatever you want, wherever you want, if it's a, a business that wants to continue to have people participate in a way that feels uh, safe uh, and feels uh, uh, secure and and do the opportunity to uh, interact on a social media platform uh, where you don't feel threatened. Um, and I, I have to say, I, as I said, I, many people that I know are, you know, they're, they're just kind of turning it off. Um, I had a friend who completely just went off Facebook because he just couldn't look at the, all of the negativity um, anymore and what was coming out of the, uh, the administration. I mean, this is, this is only going to get worse. I think that we really need to take a good hard look at what changes they can make because every time we turn on the television, every time we see something online, Every day, literally, we see more and more attacks on marginalized groups in this country. And LGBTQ people are already being affected if they fall into those other categories, if they're uh, undocumented uh, immigrants, uh, women. Uh, but we're going to start to see very soon very specific attacks on the LGBT community, whether it's around transgender rights, whether it's coming out of 
many of these horrific cabinet appointments that President Trump has made, Betsy DeVos in the Department of Education, for example, is it's going to be a complete 360-degree turnaround from the incredible support LGBTQ students were receiving under the Obama administration. It's going to make the climate much more dangerous for those young people. Add into the mix the fact that kids are constantly on social media platforms, and it's what Marin talked about. It's, it's incredibly damaging and can, can really be harmful to one's mental and physical health. Um, this is Brandon here, folks. Um, I have one contribution on this topic. Um, just speaking, and I'm going to keep this very general, very radio clean, but in terms of the level of graphic content um, in every level of deplorable, to use, uh, for lack of a better term, that I've seen on Twitter, here's what I've seen in the last week alone. Some of the death threats that specifically came from followers of Gay News America, or, or at least they're tweeting at us. One was specifically a death threat to uh, John Lewis for speaking out against President Donald mm-hmm. Trump, saying that he was an illegitimate president. So um, under those circumstances, I was forced to send reports to the FBI and the Secret Service. There was another follower who specifically tweeted a threat to um, assassinate various women at women's marches across the country. So yet again... Um, I ended up making reports to the FBI Secret Service, but the absolute worst, and I really regret this, but this was this one did come from a Trump supporter. They were saying, this is what the Democrats, this is what the left supports for the LGBTs overseas. And it was supposedly video of a young gay man's execution. Mm-hmm. For the love of God, I have no reason why I even entertained looking at it because I thought it was fake. But once I followed the 30-second video through to conclusion, and it was the complete, unedited, graphic execution of a young gay man in another country, and it was on Twitter, and it was uncensored, um, I realized that that's the absolute worst. I I can hardly think of anything worse. So you have everything from specific threats to murder all the way to here is murder in its unabashed truth. So uh, continuing on that notion, I'm going to let Roddy take it away talking about some of Twitter's policies. Absolutely. So I am going to read you Twitter's hateful conduct policy that is listed on their support website. And based on my opinion, they do not hold up to this policy at all, and it is a shame. Here's their policy. You may not promote violence against or directly attacking or threatening other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or disease. We do not allow accounts of those whose primary purpose is to incite harm towards others on the basis of these categories and will take action against them immediately. So as we know, they do not do that. So no. I guess my question is, what would you say to them knowing that that is their policy and why are they not enforcing it? So, Marin, Kathy, either one, jump on it. Well, it's, I mean, it's a really good question. I, I'd love, I'd love the link to that because I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, you know, create a, a little link and then, and then post that next to every time I see somebody tweet something that violates that. 
I don't know. I mean, exactly. it's a bit like Frankenstein's monster. We've created this this technology, and it's run away from us. I mean, there's a level of enchantment amongst people. People start using it before they're even ready, or un- they, before they even understand exactly what goes into using it. And none of us have measured the con- consequences of using this stuff on a on a daily basis. It's it's like a kind of drug. We don't know what the fallout's going to be. We don't know. This is the first uh, digitally elected um, president. I mean, and, and one of the reasons that uh, he was elected was, was those graphic videos of people getting beheaded because, I mean, I heard about a lesbian who, who said, who said um, I have a bigger fear of being beheaded by a Muslim and somebody taking away my gun than I have of not being able to marry my girlfriend. Those fears, which were definitely inflated by by social media, outweigh mm-hmm. 20 years of LGBT rights that we fought for and won. And they've been erased by this very, very recent invention. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a real shame that we've had to go down this path that we can't responsibly manage and monitor something that we invented because nobody really knows. Nobody knew what it was going to turn into. Um, so that's, that's my thought. Absolutely. Seeing that that is their policy, it's amazing that they, for one, have it, and two, that they don't even seem to attempt to try to enforce it. Absolutely. Right. I was going to say, I don't, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's worse, not having the policy or having the policy and then not holding people accountable to it. I think that... I think having the policy... I, I, like, yeah, I mean, Aaron said, it's, it's, the the wild, it's the Wild West. Twitter is definitely the Wild West. But it's also, from a communications point, it's also where news breaks, uh, often before it shows up on, on, your, on your cable stations or, you know, even online on, uh, you know, major publications like the Washington Post or the New York Times, you'll start to see news break on Twitter. So Twitter's become actually a very important mm-hmm. tool for news and communications, but I think you know, there's this dark side to it that is, um, that's really problematic. And I think that I totally agree with what Mary just says. Every time someone posts something uh, that, that breaks the, those, the rules that they have to post the link to them and say, <laughs> Twitter, what are you doing? And, and tweet back at, at Twitter itself. I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's going to take concerted effort by, by everyone. But again, I think it's, it's, one of so many challenges. I think a lot of, of folks here in the U.S. just and, and around the world feel so overwhelmed by this and by the speed with which uh, Trump is you know, dismantling so much of the progress that we fought so hard for over the last you know, decade and more. Uh, it's, it's, it's like, I think it's going uh, to take a lot of uh, effort and energy to, to mobilize folks. And I think the marches, we're, uh, we're an incredible start. I'm, I'm actually, I, things are, are really horrible and challenging and we know terrible things are going to happen, but I, I actually feel very hopeful because I think a lot of people are energized and are ready to uh, not just get out in the street and march, but, but do all the kinds of things we need to have happen to, uh, to try and not just fight what's happening uh, coming out of, the, out of the White House. But and there's clearly more of us than there is them. I mean, you had 100,000 yeah. people turn up for the inauguration and you had 3.5 million of us turn out and that's mostly just the women. So, I mean, in a way, one of the problems with Twitter is that it amplifies. You've got a complete 
you know, weirdo nutcase living in their mother's basement. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when they send out a tweet, that has as much weight as when Dan Radder sends out a tweet because it's all 140 characters. So you really have got a, a moment in time when, for the first time in history, the peanut gallery has taken over. And I think we have to somehow bring perspective back to this platform and say, no, really what you're saying, your empty hate speech is not important and it should not be circulated. And somebody has to come in there and, and, and look at that. Otherwise, the platform's really not, the platform's not viable. I mean, what is it? What is the platform? Um, so, yeah, that's, that we need to uh, send a message to Twitter, and this campaign is one way of doing that. Um, and I really think people, it just takes literally 20 seconds to get on the website and, and sign up for it. It absolutely does. And we are actually coming very close to time. We are at one minute remaining. So I am going to play a quick PSA for the Trevor Project. And then I would love to get closing comments from all of you. So here's the PSA, then we'll get closing comments. Hi, this is Dr. Ron Holtz. Uh, I just wanted to let, let you know that you're loved as you are. If you are struggling with your sexual orientation or gender identity and wish to speak to someone, please reach out to the Trevor Project. They're available at 1-866-488-7386. That's 1-866-488-7386. All right, we are at 30 seconds remaining. Marin, 10-second closing comments. Okay, everybody log on to no2lgbthate.com. It takes 30 seconds. Sign up, make a difference. It's February the 1st. Stop the hate on Twitter. Kathy, closing comments. Um, I would uh, first clarify that it's no the number two lgbthate.com so you don't spell out the two um and i would encourage people to get engaged uh we need everyone to do whatever they can uh in our community in other communities because uh this is a historic time in this country and around the world and if we don't have people stand up then we're 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 going to find ourselves in a in, in a world that not the kind of world we want to live in. Absolutely. And Brandon, do you have closing comments? I do. Um, LGBTQ uh, in Gay News America proudly signed up for the No to LGBT Hate campaign today. Our tweet will go out on February 1st worldwide. Um, I really want to extend a sincere thank you to Marin, Kathy, and to Linda Riley for doing this campaign. Uh, my sincere best wishes, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for the work you're doing and let us know if there's anything we can do to help you in the future. So you've been listening to Spectrum Stories on Gay News America. I'm Roddy Biggs and I hope you have a wonderful day.